stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. I'm Mark Chenoweth. John Vecchioni is in court. So here to uh, impersonate him for the next two segments is Senior Litigation Counsel Peggy Little. Peggy, welcome back to Administrative Static. Thank you so much. That's a big task. <laughs> <laughs> yes, big big moving hands to fill there or something like that, right? John does like to t- talk with his hands. But uh, uh, but we're, we're actually here to talk about two cases that Peggy has been uh, heavily involved in. So it's good to have you uh, as a, a guest of the program. And the first case is an amicus brief that was filed this past week uh, by, uh, by you for, for NCLA on behalf of Elon Musk. Well, I mean, we filed it uh, on behalf of NCLA, but it's an amicus brief in the case of Elon Musk v. Uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. And Mr. Musk has been the target of an SEC gag, which is something that you know a little bit about, Peggy. I do indeed. A great <laughs> deal. In fact, two gags in his particular case, uh, which is interesting. Neither is constitutional, uh, but they are somewhat different. Uh, so it was a fun brief to write and to explore the factual background on. Yeah. Well, tell us uh, what the two uh, gags are as a, maybe a starting point. Sure. Well, um, this uh, dates back to 2018 when Mr. Musk tweeted uh, that he was thinking about taking the company Tesla private. And he was talking about uh, with financing that he thought he could arrange, et cetera. And that created market movement. And, and he was yes. going to take it public at 420 right? <laughs> $420 a share, which I guess 420 is a marijuana reference. So there, there was some argument that it was a joke as well. But And, and we all know you cannot joke with the administrative state. Yeah, no, there's no sense of humor there at all. None. Um, so the SEC got up in arms, um, slammed him with a violation, and very quickly he settled. And he settled by saying, um, well, if you think this has harmed the Tesla uh, shareholders... Um, of which he's the number one shareholder. That's true. Uh, <laughs> the SEC demanded... Uh, three things uh, as terms of settlement that are relevant to this discussion. The first is that he personally fork over $20 million and that Tesla also fork over another $20 million. And the SEC said that will be paid to these shareholders within 60 days of it being transferred to us to be a proxy, essentially, for any harm that his tweets um, may have caused. The second is he saw... And, and here we are, what, four four years later? Something like that? <laughs> yes. Uh, how, many, how many of those shareholders have seen money from the SEC? Well, they they um, it looks like a fund has been set up. I don't know for a fact whether it's been paid, but I, I do know as of four years after the um, expiration of that 60-day deadline, the money had still not been paid to the SEC shareholders, which is very disturbing. Uh, and it had I, been paid by Musk and Tesla to the SEC, but they had just been sitting on the cash. Precisely. And that happens a surprising number of times. And of course, when they do pay out these funds, they provide no interest. So the actual harm 
to SEC shareholders here is the SEC holding on to funds for four years without interest since uh, he paid. Yeah, the but in- what's the interest on $40 million? I mean, it can't be. It can't well, be. It's oh, yeah, just shocking that it an agency shocking. that is supposedly acting on behalf of shareholder interests is that deaf and that um, self-regarding, I would say, or something. Indeed, uh, that that it feels absolutely no sense of duty to uh, conform to its own agreement to pay that out within 60 days. And that was a, 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 a... a subject of some contention, and I don't—I still don't know whether it was actually paid out. But I do know, um, as of four years after the agreement, it wasn't paid out. So, what's the second gag? That's well, the second—the second gag is our usual one. In order to even settle at all, he had to agree he would never question any of the allegations um, that were. Uh, alleged against him in the SEC complaint. And that is a wholesale gag that violates not only every First Amendment doctrine you can think of, but is contrary to the SEC's own policy about full disclosure of its uh, enforcement activity. And finally, he agreed to um, have his tweets pre-cleared by a securities lawyer at Tesla. He, um, and then... Which sounds a lot like prior restraint. It is a prior restraint. And the SEC has made no convincing showing of the elements that you need to satisfy uh, for prior restraint, which is, you know, a compelling government need, um, that there's a, uh, it is the least restrictive means, etc. So he has been challenging that. In fact, he later tweeted, and one of the interesting wrinkles in this case is he tweeted again in a way they didn't like. So... They went after him for contempt. And so this is a really good case where the SEC in our gag litigation has been denying head over heels that it does not seek contempt citations. But that's not true. They did here. And that's another reason why you have to be extremely um, concerned about this regulatory power because they are using the power of the courts to hold him in civil and or criminal contempt for his speech. And he is one of the most outspoken critics of um, government and government power. And the fact that they could gag him in either of these ways, whether it be talking about the original case or having this um, preclearance gag, both are deeply concerning to our values, our constitutional values, but also the whole purpose of the securities law, which is full and open disclosure. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I would think most people who own stock in his companies would want to know what he has to say about those companies. I would think so, too. Uh, And probably, they'd probably in some ways be more interested in what he has to say that hasn't been cleared by a securities lawyer than than what he has to say that has been uh, cleared by a securities lawyer. Uh, were there very many uh, amicus briefs filed uh, in this case, Peggy? No, indeed. We were the only uh, amicus filed in support of Mr. Musk's pe- petition. Um, we hope that the Supreme Court will look askance at this very disturbing double gag, uh, which is unique uh, to him um, in this uh, petition for cert. And I think another helpful thing is that we have gotten some serious advances um, in the courts in our own gag uh, litigation that has been very helpful. 
um, that we have probably discussed the Fifth Circuit decision in earlier podcasts, but to summarize that, we have two uh, highly regarded appellate judges at the Fifth Circuit who said that the standard SEC gag is a prior restraint and needs to be examined by a court and or the agency itself. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, uh, Judge Abrams of the Southern District of New York issued a very compelling opinion um, that really questions whether these gags should ever be entered by courts. She, unfortunately, is constrained by appellate authority. But the third and fun thing that we were able to add to this brief was that Judge Justice Gorsuch, in his separate opinion in the Axon Cochran case, um, explicitly said that consent decrees raise grave concerns with the ability of agencies to demand conditions um, in consents that they could never win in litigation. And that precisely describes these gags. The SEC has no power under any of its statutes or any of the remedies available under the statutes to ever gag anyone. And so right. the Congress fact, never gave them this power. They do right. not have that power. They lack it completely. And uh, the fact that they routinely... And, and that seems like a newer argument. I don't remember making seeing that argument two or three years ago when we were initially bringing these cases. Yeah, it's one we have developed. We did talk um, in earlier briefing about the fact that um, parties consent to a decree does not relieve the court of its duty to see if it is constitutional. Mm -hmm. But yes, we have formulated this. It's in our Novinger case. It will be argued shortly. We'll have you back to talk about that one. (laughs) Exactly. But that um, uh, the the SEC has no power to uh, secure that remedy ever in any kind of litigation that it is empowered by Congress to bring. Yeah. Well, I think that's a a very powerful argument and something I could see the court wanting to, to weigh in on. Um, are, are there are there arguments that Mr. Musk makes in, in his briefs that we didn't that you know that we didn't explore in our uh, amicus brief or are we mostly buttressing the points that he's making as well? Well I think he um, I think he's his lawyers and thank and thank goodness for this, I think they've looked at our briefing and you see some of the arguments we made about um, unconstitutional conditions. That's the theme of their um, of their uh, contesting his gag, particularly his pre-clearance gag. And he cites in his brief, Philip Hamburger, who says consent does not cure the problem. One of the things that is a new formulation in the Musk amicus brief that I uh, recently filed was the problem is in the ask. It is the problem is they can't ask for it. it so it's not cured by your consent. Right. Uh, it is just an illegal, unconstitutional ask that they have no right to make in the first place. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's very important. Um, so, well, what happens now? So, the, where does this the cert petition has been filed? Uh, Mika's brief has been filed in support. So we'd be waiting for the government's response to the, to the cert petition. Is that the next step? It is, and actually, it was very. Um, this is a little bit of a surprise um, in that uh, the SEC, when we when we did our own, let me backtrack a bit. Yeah. When we did our own cert petition. 30 pe- seconds. Okay. When we did our own cert petition, okay, the SEC simply responded and then we did a reply. Here, Mr. Musk filed his petition and the SEC waived its uh, reply and then the courts ordered them to file a reply. 
That doesn't mean that the court will accept the cert petition, but it's a good sign that they want to hear what the other side has to say and that they might, they might take it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck, uh, Peggy. Thank you for coming to tell us about the amicus brief in Musk v. SEC. Happy to do so, Mark.